Matthew chapter 11 this morning, we're in a series, The Words of Jesus. I was looking back, I think we've been doing this for four or five months and we can go for another four or five years. (laughs) There's enough information. But sometimes I wonder if I'm uh, repeating myself because there's some themes that stick out to me. Hopefully I haven't repeated myself too much, but today for some of you it might be a little bit of repetition But I like to say, I could care less because you need to hear it. And uh, it is something we can hear over and over. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. And we'll pass one out to you this morning so you can follow along. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And even as I say those words, you probably know this passage. I know when I begin to read this that you will, it'll all just come into your mind. But here it is in Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many know that passage? How many have memorized that passage? How many Sunday school? Oh yeah. I make a lot of people memorize this passage, by the way. So uh, it is a go-to passage in some ways. But it was about in March, I was asked to speak uh, at a church in New Jersey. And I, I kind of lived in New Jersey for nine years. And it's a busy place where I, where I lived in New Jersey. And I know we're busy here, but... I'll tell you something, that is a rat race. It's about an hour from New York City. A lot of people commute into this city. Uh, I got a taste of that a couple weeks ago, taking Stefan up to the airport, driving back, the amount of cars. You know, we get on the 417 here, it's got five, six lanes. We're like, wow. In New Jersey, when I was heading to the, to the airport, there are parts, I think, that have like 14, 15 lanes, and they're jammed. Like, they are tight, and people are busy. So I felt like God gave me... Uh, this message for them and it was a message of rest because they're busy people so I felt I really had the Lord's mind and I went in there and I talked about rest and what what rest means and um, it was an amazing time there and people really responded to that but I started thinking they're not the only ones who need to, to hear about rest just because they have 14 lanes on a highway doesn't mean they're the only ones who need to hear about God's rest. And I find whether we live in New Jersey or we live in Lanark County, I guess the rest I want to talk to you about isn't necessarily a physical rest. I want to talk to you this morning about what God wants to give you. He wants to give you a spiritual and an emotional rest. Because I believe that God wants to release us from anxiety and from worry, from a mindset that wants to fix all the problems. And I don't know if maybe you're like me, but maybe you have a fix-it mindset. When something's wrong, you want to fix it, and if you can't fix it, sometimes you're up at night, and you're thinking, and you're thinking, and you're thinking. But sometimes we don't know how to shut it off. I don't know if anyone's lived there. Maybe you have burdens, and burdens are difficult. Maybe you know people... Who are burdened, and that's very scriptural to help them. Galatians speaks about carrying one another's burdens, but 
Sometimes it gets a little too much and you find that you have no rest in your mind. That rest is something you desire. And it's very difficult to find. Because I think people are people, whether they live in New Jersey or Lanark County, and we desperately need to understand God's rest, true rest. And maybe this morning, you don't feel rested. Maybe you feel drained. Maybe you feel tired, but it's not a physical tired. It's an emotional tired. It's a spiritual tired. It's like you've been carrying heavy, heavy, heavy things. And I want to tell you this morning, here's the good news. That God wants to release you of those burdens. But this isn't a one-time thing. This is an everyday how I live procedure. So we know these words well. We know that God promises rest. Jesus promises rest to us. But he starts by saying, come to me. And I know God is sovereign and in charge of every little thing. But I also know this, that we have an, a responsibility to come to God. And it's a verb. It's an action. It's something we need to do. And I really think there's a release in that word come. It's a release of me trying to do it myself and simply coming, giving myself, surrendering myself to Jesus. All who labor and are heavy laden. And there's two categories there that we see in verse 28 pretty, pretty clearly. Those who are burdened or heavy laden or carrying lots of things. Or those who are just simply laboring in life. I think life can get pretty routine. Does anyone feel like that? I do the same things every day. Maybe if you go the same way to work and your job is repetitious or you're a mom, I've corrected that behavior 20 times. Or you're praying and you're like, I, life can be so routine, so the same thing, so over and over that it actually becomes tiring to do the same thing over and over and over again. And I think that's what he's saying. He's saying, all who labor... Because guess what? You're called to labor. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. By the way, when I say rest, I'm not telling you that everyone... This is how we're going to practice this week. Everyone find their couch. And I want you to spend an extra two hours on your couch this week every day. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if a lot will get done, but... That's not the rest we're talking about because God calls us to work, right? There is no doubt about it. We're called to labor for Him. We have to make a living. We have kids. A mom can't take two days off and be like, well, go, go ahead, three-year-old. You're on your own today. It doesn't work that way, does it? And I think Scripture is clear. And this rest in, in everyday activity or these heavy burdens, like what does that look like if I'm not on the couch? What does it mean I find it very interesting in Hebrews chapter 4, it says very clearly that God was calling the people of Israel into rest by going into the promised land. Has anyone ever read that before? 
Like that's going to be the land of rest. You're going to be out of the desert. You're going to be out of the wilderness. But really, there was manna. Food was provided. They actually could have sat a little. They just had to pick it up. But you know what? When they entered the promised land, they still had to fight. There was enemies to be conquered. There was fruit on the trees that they had to harvest. So God says, here, go into the land of rest. And they're looking and saying, we got to conquer giants. We got to conquer the enemy. We got to feed ourselves. We got to get the produce off the trees. It doesn't mean work stopped. And I guess the rest, again, I want to tell you about, it's not that you don't work. But I guess the question is, where's the power source? To do the work. What is your power source this morning? What is causing you to be tired? Or causing you to be restful in the work that you have to do? See, that's the greater question. I always think of Eric Little and it's one of my favorite quotes from the movie Chariots of Fire. And if you're probably under 30, you'd be like, what's that? Um... That was a classic. I encourage everyone to watch it. But anyways, it is a little slow, young people. There's no fighting scenes or dizzy scenes, as I call them, because I watch those superhero movies with my kids, and it's just like, I don't know what just happened, right? Like, (laughs) give me a plot. Give me something. Uh, Help them to talk slow. Um, But in this movie, Eric Little is a runner, and he wants to run in the Olympics, and he's an extraordinary runner, but in the end, he has to run on Sunday, but he chooses not to run, and he chooses another event. Does anyone know that story, right? And he actually wins that event, and it's a miracle. But before he goes to the Olympics, and I definitely mentioned this before, he's training, and he's supposed to be a missionary in China, and his sister stops him, and why, Eric, are you doing all this training and this work and for these Olympics, this vain glory, like you should be on the mission field? But his response is one that I'll never forget. He looks at her and he says, When I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. So when I run, I feel pain. (laughs) Right? Like, that's not my favorite activity. Amy, uh, when her knees were better, she used to run. And she used to run and she used to run. I remember we were dating. She'd run like 15 miles on a Sunday. And the only way I could spend time with her was ride my bike beside her. (laughs) She would run and run and run, and she loved it. And even when she was a young mom, that was her chance to get away. I'd watch the kids, and she would go run. I'm like, how can you enjoy that? Like, it seems to me like a painful activity. And I guess I'm saying that because sometimes maybe work or the mundane or the routine or the heavy burdens seem painful to you. But I want to tell you this morning, if God is your, your power supply in what you're supposed to be doing, it won't be drudgery and painful. It will be almost like you are feeling God's pleasure in what he's called you to do. And again, another example of this, which as a young mom, there are difficult times. And we have a lot of young families and young dads. And you're tired and you're exhausted. And it's not like you could just say, no, I'm not doing this. But the greater question is, is how am I going to do it? In in whose strength am I going to do it? 
Because here's something I've come to realize in life. If you are trying to do it in your own strength, or you're trying to fix problems by manipulating circumstances, and if I can get this to happen like this, and if I can do it like this, and only if I can work it like this, and, and, and what we do is we scheme and we scheme, and, and if I can get these people to help me, and, and when we work and we work and we work, and we just are utterly, utterly exhausted. And Jesus has three verbs and one I've mentioned for you today. And his first is, come, give up, stop trying, and trust me. Come to me. What a wonderful, powerful word. And we know it in our head, but the reality is it's so hard in our heart. And even if you're worried about the future, and that's a burden to you this morning... Maybe you're worried about tomorrow, a meeting. Maybe you're worried about what you're going to do. Maybe you're worried about a future spouse. Maybe you're worried about what's going to happen to your kids. Maybe you're worried, worried, worried. God's saying, come to me. Come to me. And actually, if I say anything else, I don't know. But I know when I'm preparing this, God said to me, someone in this room specifically needs to hear that word this morning. And I know there's someone who needs to hear that. Because God is faithful to share with me, just through the Holy Spirit, little nudges. Because I had a whole other sermon planned on the end times. You're going to get that next week. (laughs) But he said, someone needs to hear this. He's calling you to himself this morning. He's saying, stop trying and doing it, manipulating circumstances. It doesn't mean you stop working. No one said that. He's saying, come to me. Do you know that man was actually created for rest before work? Because we know that man was created on the sixth day, and the seventh day was rest. And then they worked. You were created to rest in trust and dependence on Jesus Christ. That's what you were created to do. You weren't created to just just jump out and figure it out yourself. You were created to rest and rely and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what you were created to do. But then the rest of the week, with Him and with His strength and with His power, you go through the week knowing that He's with you. Because that's why it says, take my yoke upon you. And by the way, that's the next kind of verb in there. And you can look in any translation. It might say, wear my yoke, lift my yoke, put on my yoke, take my yoke. But what he's saying is, you have to do it with me. You can't do it alone. And in some of the commentaries I read this week, when, when oxen are yoked together, and years ago, Robert got me an oxen and I brought it in here to show you. But usually there's a lead ox and a follow ox, and they work together. But that's the same thing with Jesus, is He's in control, and you follow the Spirit, and He will take you where you should go in rest. You don't have to lead. Do I hear an Amen. <laughs> You don't have to find the solution. But you do have to trust. You do have to be dependent. You do have to rely. And I guess in this section of being yoked to Christ, I guess the picture I want you to get in your mind is being led by the Spirit. Being dependent upon the Spirit. 
saying, God, I cannot do this, but you live within me. And your word speaks to me. And if I follow what you say, and I trust in what you say, it will go well for me. Not that difficult circumstances won't come, but God's way is the best way. And in the power of this Holy Spirit, which lives in you, and as the Holy Spirit leads and guides you through the power of His word, and as He nudges you left or right, you will find rest, I believe, in the activity that you have been given. But you have to let the Spirit lead by the truth of His word. It's so hard because we have to give up rights. God, you're the king. And your kingdom is in me if I let you on the throne. But I will tell you the difference of people who live led by the Spirit and people who live driven by self is one is restful and one is very weary. And it's not hard to recognize. Because I recognize it in myself sometimes. I get tight and tense and fearful and worry about things I shouldn't worry about. And then, as my wife says to me, sometimes I need a reset button. Isn't that, aren't they great? <laughs> things are scrambled, hit the reset button. <laughs> God, you have to take the reins. I will follow you. I will be yoked to you. I will wear you. And in scripture you see all these phrases. Put on Christ. Wear his armor. Right? All of these things come together in this thought that. Not me, him. Put him on. His righteousness. His truth. Walking in his spirit. In step with his spirit. Not ahead. Not behind. Because when I get ahead and behind, I get very tired. Not only does he say, put him on, he says, learn from me. I love Jesus. He's not always out to tell us what to do. He says, come with me and learn from me. That's what discipleship is. That's what being a disciple is. It's spending time trusting God and learning from Him what His character is, what He would do. And as we know His Word and the Holy Spirit empowers it to our heart, we can walk His way. Learn. Learn. We have to be life learners in the things of God. And that's why Paul is always praying for the churches, especially in Ephesus, that you would know God, right? That you would know his love. Well, I'm 45. I've been a Christian since, I don't know, eight or nine. What are you going to teach me, Pastor Dan? It's not academic. It's experiential. In the truth of what he says, that I would know who he is. And as I know him, I live him. It's so true. It's so real. And what is this Jesus like? Who's this picture of God? And if I'm heavy laden, or if I've got a lot of burdens, or I'm like laboring away, I wish that God would describe himself as powerful and mighty and conqueror. Wouldn't you say that? Okay, learn from me. I'm all powerful. 
Learn from me. I am sovereign. I have everything under control. But how does Jesus describe himself? This is absolutely amazing. He doesn't. Even though he is all those things, he says, I'm lowly. I'm gentle. Other versions, I'm meek. That's how he describes himself. And I, and I was just thinking, God, why did you describe yourself like that? Why didn't you describe yourself as almighty? He does in the scripture, but in this, when I've got problems, you're telling me you're lowly? <laughs> why are you doing that? I need a God who's going to come in and save the day. And I can sit on the couch for two hours. Amen. And you'll do it all, God. But it came, see, the amazing thing is, God doesn't want to go and deal with all your problems himself. He wants to deal with them in you first, and then you conquer them together. Because he's more concerned about the relationship with you than solving your problems. He's more concerned about maturing you. That you can handle it the next time. He doesn't want you like a parent. If you have a little child and sometimes, oh, just sit down, I'll do that for you. But have you ever found in parenting, try again. And I'll help you this time. I'm not going to do it for you. But let's do it together. I'll show you where to put your hands. I'll give you the power when you need the power. Because that's the way our God is. He wants us to mature to the point that we know that He is in us. That we can handle these things. But He doesn't want you to sit down and say, Okay, I'm going to do it all. You do nothing. You don't grow. You just be your spoiled brat on the chair. He's saying, I want to take you and mature you and grow you. But how that happens is, you come to me, and I'm the power source, but you're yoked to me, and we do the work together in the field. Amen. Amen. Because God could do it alone, but He doesn't want to. He wants to grow with you. And this is a huge lesson. And sometimes we're skipping it. We just want all our problems to go away. But that's why I say, when we face trials, count it all Count it all joy. Joy. Why? Because I'm developing your perseverance and your patience. I'm developing your character. We're doing this together. And with me, you're becoming deeper and you're growing more and more and more. I'm not called to, to do all this. We're called to go together, be yoked together, to work together, to get in the field together. But you will feel my, pre- my, my pleasure in what you're doing. And what a great description though. I'm lowly and I'm meek and I'm kind. Because sometimes if something's super powerful, I don't necessarily want to be around it. But I'll yoke myself with something that's easily, I'm not scared of. And God's saying, come to me. I'm gentle. Come to me. I'm meek. I've got all the power, but it's under control. That's what meekness is. It's like a horse ready to go into the race. It's just raring to go, but it's under control. And that's God. He has all the power. I'm gentle and I'm lowly. You can come to me and yoke yourself to me. I'm not going to squash you. Ah, big powerful God. I am powerful, but I'm lowly. I'm Jesus, the greatest perfect picture of God there is. And I'm so kind. You can come and we'll do it together. Because that's what we need most of all. For the next time that we'll have perseverance and patience and endurance. Because we've learned that Christ is the power and He's within us. And we know how 
to trust Him. And my friends, that is where we find rest for our souls. It doesn't say bodies, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't say bodies, you're going to get tired. But sometimes when you're tired and you have rest for your soul, you can keep going. And this is it this morning. And he's saying, come to me. And then he's saying, put me on. Yoke yourself to me. Wear me. Let's do it together. Let me be the lead. You follow me. And then he's saying, learn. Learn. Learn who I am. And as you know who I am, your trust will grow and you will become more like me. Because our God is kind and He is good and He is lowly and He is meek. And by the way, He is perfectly righteous and powerful and He can do anything. But He loves you so much. He wants you to grow to be more like Him. And sometimes that means squeezing. That you will grow. And I believe there's something in each one's life today that God is saying, come to me about. And it's different. Maybe we'll have some repeats somewhere along the line. That's between the Holy Spirit and you. But church is for application of the truth of what he teaches us. And so before you leave those doors, you have to think to yourself, God... What is it that you want me to surrender in and come to you to find rest in? It might be your marriage. It might be your children. It might be the workplace. It might be your ministry. I don't know what it is. It might be your future. It might be just having patience in general. <laughs> it might be fear. He's saying, come. Verb. <laughs> to me. None of this works unless you trust and believe in Jesus Christ. These are words for believers this morning. Why would someone who doesn't believe in Jesus want to put all their trust in him? So I would believe that most people here are believers in Jesus. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that he loves you. He died for you. He's forgiven you. All that junk. And he wants to walk with you. And he wants to be yoked with you. But the first step is, you have to believe and trust in him. Give your life to him and come to him. But then it doesn't stop. Amen? Every single day, we get to come to him. Let's have a little time of reflection and response in our own hearts. Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads this morning, we give you all praise. Just love those words and words that you want to share with us. You're telling us to come. To let go of ourselves. To trust you. You're telling us to come. Lord, your Holy Spirit is in this place. We know that. We believe that. You said that. There's believers here. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And even this morning, I believe that there's a sense of your presence. So you're speaking. And so in a time of silence now, I'm not looking for anyone to, to talk out. 
But I want you to ask God to search your heart and your mind. God, what do you want me to trust you in? What is it in my life that you want me to come to you to receive rest in? And we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And as the Lord maybe reveals one or two or three things, would you simply in your heart surrender that to Him? Would you tell Him that you trust Him this morning? Would you come to Him and yoke yourself to Him? So in the quietness of the next few moments, minutes, let's just listen to God, the Holy Spirit that lives in you, knowing His truth. Let's apply it in our lives. Many weeks ago, I was praying about a situation in my life that was pretty dear to me. And I was in the prayer room, and time started to add up, maybe more than a minute, more than ten. And I just felt God gave me a picture as I was battling Him in prayer. The picture was just me. I had a bird in my hand. And he said, let the bird go. Give me the bird. And I kind of just opened my hands. I just had a picture in prayer. I just opened my hands. I just, my imagination, call me weird, I don't know. I saw that bird fly away. And it was just God saying, you've got to let it go. You've got to trust me. You've got to give it to me. And to be honest, after that point, I did have rest, which I didn't have before that situation. It was something dear to me because it was one of my children I was praying for. I wanted to fix all their problems. God hadn't asked me to fix their problems. God was saying, come to me and let it go. You can trust me. Yoke yourself to me. I pray that you would have done that this morning in your own heart. Let it go. Release the weight. Yoke yourself to Jesus. You can trust him. We're going to celebrate communion now, and it's for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And what we're reminding ourselves of is all the amazing thing, things, but most importantly, thing that Jesus did. Jesus came to this world, lived a perfect life, died for us, rose again. 
He's forgiven our sins in His death on the cross as we believe and trust in Him. This is my favorite or the favorite moment of every service. Because I would ask you this, may your attention 100% solely be focused on Christ. I want you to worship Him and celebrate His love for you. I want you to think that He was broken and bruised, that you would be whole, that you would be healed. I want you to think as you go get that juice representing his blood. That his blood was spilled for the remission of your sin. And again, I'd ask that question. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. Maybe you know religion, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never truly believed in his work on the cross that you're forgiven if you choose to accept that is that you this morning the Bible says very clearly if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died and rose again that you will be saved have you done that I'm not talking about going to church or reading your Bible. I'm talking about truly putting your trust in Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. He died to forgive all your sins. If that's you or you're not sure, I would ask you before communion, just come see me or a brother or sister in the back and we can pray with you. And for the rest of us, what a great time to remember what Christ has done, to yoke yourself to Him and His amazing work. Here to praise Him, to worship Him, to give glory to Him. Randy's going to sing, worship Him. You can go in the back, get the elements, bring them back to your seat. Continue to praise and worship the Lord. And at the end of the song, we'll partake together. Let's worship the Lord together.